Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. Hi, I'm Dan Day. On this Miami Monday, that's right, on Miami Monday, we try to feature a little bit more Miami than usual throughout the whole show, whether it be the music, whether it be you going to my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio, and telling me what makes you so Miami, what makes me so Miami. I'm so Miami that yesterday I watched the entire Dolphins game, and this season... That's kind of saying a lot. So let me know if I like at my Twitter page what you have to say. I might read it out on the radio. On the way, we've got that Miami Monday. Joe Rose, Dan Levitard, Stephen A. Smith. But here are some headlines. Following a 17-12 win over Central Michigan, Coach Diaz held a Sunday meeting to let the team know that they are not playing up to the Miami standard. Canes have two weeks to get it right. They're facing an open date this week. Their next game is against Virginia Tech October 5th at 3.30. The Josh Rosen-led Dolphins lost 31-6 yesterday in Dallas. They play the Chargers here in Miami Sunday at 1 o'clock is the kickoff. Tonight, the Bears and the Redskins play at 8.15. Rumors persist that the Heat are trying to trade for Chris Paul. The NBA season begins next month. The Marlins avoided the sweep yesterday, defeating the Nationals 5-3. The Fish are back in action tonight against the Mets in New York at 7.10. Tomorrow night at 7, the Panthers play their first home preseason game against the Lightning. Listen to all their regular season games here on 560 The Joe WQAM. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. (sighs) California woman was recently arrested for pushing a baby stroller full of $6,000 worth of stolen quarters. A hot mess with money? I'm very interested. And in case you're wondering, she is my hot mess of the day. This past weekend's Storm Area 51 failed to materialize. Despite thousands responding to the event on Facebook, only 40 people showed up and one arrest was made for public urination. A German court has ruled that hangovers are an illness. Ah, you now know Oktoberfest is here. And now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for cloudy skies with temperatures around 80. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. John's all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Monday mornings are never that much fun, but they're that much better when you listen to Joe Rose from 6 to 10. Earlier today, he had the U's coach, Manny Diaz, on. And they were talking about the meeting they held yesterday on the Miami Standard. Nothing being easy. No more my bads going downfield. And why Saturday was flag day. Manny Diaz, good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning. Manny, good morning, man. And uh, how are you, first of all? How's everything? Well, we're back in a, in a bye week. Had our um, a team meeting yesterday and, and reviewed all the film, which was a, that was, that was a, a, a tough truth meeting. Uh, obviously, we did not play very well on, on Saturday. 
and we sort of got to explore some of the reasons why. It, it's like it's like having a you know it's like one of your children has to take a test and and they passed the test just barely, but certainly didn't did not get the grade that they wanted to. And you get yeah. to go back and explore some of the reasons why that happened. And you know it was a little bit of a you know hey let's look in the mirror and find out who we really are and and, and see what we like and what we don't like. I thought we were over the hump on this offensive line and and in pretty good shape off of what we saw the improvement through the first couple of weeks and then you get the sacks and the safety and nine tackles for loss and you can't run the football you make more changes where's the biggest problem is it a little bit of everybody nobody expected that well here's the thing what it, what it comes down to it's it's not just like well this is exactly who we are there, there's a preparation aspect to it and and what showed up was the danger when you think something's going to be easy and which and this is i think i think you just said it you know well gosh you know we'd sort of put the province behind the way they played against north carolina the way they they played against bethune and and you start to believe it and the second you know this is something that's especially true of of younger players the second you start to believe something's going to be easy look out in this game you're in trouble and um and that showed up and there were little things that we were able to point towards um, and not just to our line, to a lot of guys, especially on, on the offensive side of the ball during the week in our preparation, we're saying, look here now, this is not exactly, this is not how we did this a week ago. And it's okay, coach. Did you see the way we play? You know, we got it. We, and, and, you know, and, and you show them and you show them, you show them and you go out there and you have a performance like that. And now after the fact, you're able to say, you know, I'm going to go back to the example of the kid who takes the test. You know, did you really study the way you studied the week before? You know, you got a good grade on the last test. Did you prepare? Did you work the same way? Um, and that's just part of understanding what it takes to, to win a football game. And, and, and it rebuilds the process rebuilds every week. So, I think what you saw on Saturday, you know, you know, it's certainly going to humble some of our guys. It certainly humbled us as a team. Um, but we understand we're, we're a team. We have to do everything right um, at every position to give ourselves a chance to play our best. Did, did you sense this was coming? So so off the, the practice, like, uh-oh, oh, my God, I don't know. Like, they're looking out there, and they're thinking Wisconsin 61 to nothing. We could be in trouble today. Did you get a feel for that before the game? There were things during the course of the week. Our, our Wednesday practice last week was the worst Wednesday practice we had had. You know, so far, you know, it's a very young season, but so far during the season. So there, there, were, there were definitely some signs, you know, that we were able to – and, we, you know, and you, you pick it up and you tell the guys, you say, listen, this is not acceptable, and, and we sort of had a – uh, you know, the heart to heart during the week last week, but they, but you know, it still comes down to you know our ability to to get them ready, their ability to prepare themselves when they're not, you know, when they're not under our our watch. And 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 again, when you talk, it's not anytime you're making these type of global statements, you're not talking about all you know every guy that plays. Um, but what happens is it, it you know it gets to enough guys, and then you get into a game, and and you got to credit Central Michigan. I mean, they they were up for the fight, and when you when you get into a fight that you're not ready to get into, that that's what it looks like. And again, it was you know we were you know luckily we did enough to win the football game but i think i think there's a great lesson and remember look now two years ago toledo was whipping our butt all over the field and no one remembered that by the time we were killing notre dame in november so again that, that doesn't mean that who you are today right. means this is how you will play forever um but teams grow and teams learn and when and you know when you got freshmen playing on the offensive line they learn some lessons when you have a retro freshman playing quarterback he learns some lessons and again in terms of getting the ball out and some things that we started to regress to what we saw in the Florida game. So let me ask you one last question about the offensive line. Not to pick on the offensive line. It seems like a lot of our conversations about offensive lines lately, but so is it now changes or is it sticking with these guys and just understand it's part of the growing process 
or what you expect to make some changes on the O-line going forward? So a couple things. So one, and not just on the offensive line, but again, now that we're back in a bye week and, and you've got four weeks of, of you know film to examine, there will be competition at different spots around the field, not just offensive line. But yes, we're always still looking to get guys in and out of the lineup and how many guys can we go and play and how many guys can, you know, because we don't want anyone to feel comfortable like, like their job is secured, especially off of a performance like that. Now, that being said, you know, you, you still have, you're still building confidence, still building these guys as players. Not again, I mean, this is beyond um, the offensive line. So, but let, but I'm going to go back to this too. Now our backs didn't run the ball very well. Our tight ends didn't block uh, very well. And and what normally happens is, as you know, Joe is it's never just one guy. It's, right. it's, it's a series of my bads, you know, and, and then this guy has a, my bad on this play. And that guy's a, my bad on this play. And, and it, you know, everybody takes turns saying my bad. And, and you don't need very many mad my bads to kill a drive. And if you think about the way the game went, the first the first drive of the game, we walk him right down the field and score. Get a three and out on defense. We go right back out on offense. We walk him right back down the field again. We have a hole that's probably going to be a touchdown on third down and three, and we bounce the ball outside instead of sticking it right up, you know, the middle where it should go. Maybe a touchdown. And it's fourteen nothing. Who knows what goes on? Uh, we don't convert the fourth down. We get the ball the next drive. We got a screen where we're off to the races again, and we're about to we're already across midfield and gets called back for a fifteen yarder. And that's when. Really Really, just sort of the you know the life got sucked out of our offense, and we just kind of lost our mojo. Now the defense had a say in this as well because you know the defense's effort was was really good, but the penalties and the and especially the penalties on possession downs that 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 allowed those guys to stay on the field and snap the ball twenty more times than we had it on offense. So it was it was a day where it was hard to get into any type of flow offensively because we either were our own worst enemy or we were just sitting there standing on the sideline. Um, watching Central Michigan just snap the ball and, and possess the football. So, you know, again, from the underdog standpoint, from what they wanted, they got everything they wanted. They were able to possess the ball. They were able to gain confidence, you know, and, and you know, and, and sort of turn it into a, a game that would be decided in the fourth quarter. So, and which, bottom line, you know, football is a pass-fail argument. We, you know, we, we, we didn't sit and say, well, gosh, we played well against Florida, except we lost, you know, you win and you lose. So, again, the, the only thing that could be accomplished was a victory. We got that done. There's just, there's a lot to learn off of the, of the, the day. Yeah, Coach, you brought up the tight ends. Uh, Jordan Mallory, five catches for 129 yards. They did have a, a decent day out there. But it's got to be frustrating to you and Coach Enos and just the, the offense in general. You haven't had a big play from one of those wide receivers yet. You haven't gotten downfield on one of those where, where, where Jeff or one of these guys just take it and take it to the house or take it downfield to give a spark uh, to the offense. That's got to be frustrating for you in the offense, correct? Yeah, that's all part of it. I mean, obviously we hit the one to Pope uh, last week. Uh, we, we had one to Jeff um, at the end zone, the ball was a little late getting out there and allowed the, you know, Jeff had him beat by a yard or two and allowed the defensive back to go back there and, and break it up. And, um, and, 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 and those are the plays that sometimes, again, you don't ever know what's, what's called, you know, does, does the protection break down? Do we have to end up, you know, you know, bring it down to the, to a shorter guy. And so obviously explosive plays is something that we're, we're hunting at all times. We had nine explosive uh, pass plays, nine pass plays of 16 yards or more in the game, which is pretty, pretty good. We can have explosive runs. We only had one explosive run and that's that's obviously not, not the way to that's not a way to win a football game. So you know, we know those plays are out there. We know those plays um are coming, but there's a lot that goes into into getting to making those things happen. Coach Darren Williams is uh completing a high percentage of passes. He still hasn't thrown an interception. He's sitting there with seven touchdowns, even though I know I know he's put on the ground a few times. But what what do you want him to work on? What would be the biggest thing going forward now? Because if you just look at his numbers, you don't watch the games, you go, damn, this kid's been pretty good. The number high percentage, zero interceptions, that that that's pretty good. What what do you want him to work on from here? Well, you're always well, let's start actually before the game. Let's start with your preparation. You know, let's make sure we're preparing at a championship level every week. Um, and again, that's the hard part about 
when you're when you're a first year starter and you understand, okay, you get in the game and you have some success, and that idea that every week demands your best, demands your best. Like oh, every week, like do I have to really do this? Yes, every week, regardless of the opponent. Because what we found, we told our team, we played an SEC team, an ACC team, uh, an FCS team, and a, and a MAC team. That's basically the four levels of football. When we do our stuff right, it doesn't matter who we play. Good things happen for Miami. And when we do our stuff wrong, it really doesn't matter who we play. Bad things happen for Miami. So we see that we're in control, whether that's Jaron or anybody else. So that starts with our preparation to make sure that our preparation never wanes. And, and that, that's probably the hardest part when you're relying on a bunch of young guys. So I think number one is getting this preparation at a championship level week in and week out. And then I think the decision making. You know, we saw early on taking a lot of the easy completions. Um, I think we've tried to work on, you know, getting the eyes down the field on some of the bigger throws but then I thought what, what crept up you know maybe some of the balls that he was holding on and waiting against Bethune for guys to open deep on the deeper routes where Bethune could not get to us with pass rush uh, against Central Michigan but we're sitting there holding the ball the pass rush does get there and we knew that Central Michigan had some good defensive ends that could create some matchup problems for us so, so it, now it, it gets back to the thing it's like listen trust your reads when it's there hit it when it's not there there's going to be a guy Underneath the covers, take you know the old take what the defense gives. You get the ball to your hands, get the ball to our athletes. First downs equal touchdowns. And so I think that idea of of not trying to be greedy, just you know understanding you know what works in week one is what's going to work in week eleven, and just continue to get better every week. You think he has confidence in, uh, and it's all part of the process. Confidence throwing the deep pass. Oh, absolutely, absolutely he does. And and I see it every day. You know, I see it every okay. week in, in in practice. You know, I think that's all. I think it's all part of it, but but there's just again you've got to get the coverage you want, you got right. to get the route that you want, and then you got to get the protection you want, and that's where when you again when you have the series of of my bads in the protection, it makes it hard you know to get back there and to be able to set your feet, and that's all part of it, and that's all coming. You know what I mean? That's not anything that on the inside that there's massive concern or panic about. This is just how you get a football team better, you know through the course of the season. I know young uh, team, and I understand it uh, at some points, but what's a Manny Diaz uh, meeting like when you have to go over 13 penalties for 93 yards and seven of them Seven of them resulted in first downs for Central Michigan. Well, we watched every one of them together as a team yesterday because that can't ever happen again. And whether whether some are, are, are closed and some are not closed, it, it doesn't matter. We, you know, as we say, the officials are part of the field. The manner, you know, there's always different kinds of penalties. There's penalties of of of, of great effort, strain, and aggression. The penalty that on Corey Gaynor on the screen on the sideline was was Corey with great effort, strain, and determination, and in my mind, just played harder than the guy from from there whatever guy they had out there and and if you know if all of our penalties were similar to that which is a little shaky i would i would you know you'd live with that as a coach but then you have selfish penalties yeah selfish penalty is is lining up off sides a a selfish penalty is not getting into a stance on our punt team so when we down a punt at the one yard line it gets called back for having too many men in the backfield because your your helmet didn't you know crack the plane a selfish penalty is hitting a guy after a play and the thing that was alarming and and you know and this is just part of what we're you know what what you got to get out of your program the thing that was alarming is how many of those penalties were created by seniors you know, guys that should not be that guy. I get it. There's a young guy in there that all of a sudden gets in, gets in his feelings and a guy, you know, says something to him and whatever, you, you know, you make that a teachable moment, but, but we can't have seniors lining up all sides. We can't have seniors, you know, with, with um, personal foul penalties after a play. And, and so that's something that we had to watch as an entire team. Nobody likes getting called out on that type of stuff, but guess what? You know, we had to, you know, we had to be accountable to each other because what we realized is that, when we're selfish like that, everybody loses, and you know, and they and they had to feel that account. In addition to what we do in terms of on the field discipline, we had to have a uh, we had to have a little heart to heart meeting yesterday, and, and it's something we've got to get fixed immediately. I hated those, by the way. I used to hate more than anything when Shula got in front of all forty five guys, and you got called out individually. Like it, there was like 
it was just like the most embarrassing thing that could happen. Like, you know, your father get mad at you or rip you for something as a kid that you, when you were a knucklehead, but but that's the worst. So so how do guys respond and, and how far can you go on tough love with, with these young guys, Coach? I always wonder, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, 20 21-year-olds. Well, the standard's a standard, you know, and, and what you tell them is when they sign up for Miami football, this is what they sign up for. And you're right, you know, peer pressure is, is the worst type of pressure. You know, they don't want to – it, as you mentioned, it's different to let down. There's different feeling in terms of letting down your your parent or your, or your boss or your your coach. But if you if you have a team the way you want it, you don't want to be a guy that lets down your teammates. You don't want to yeah. be the guy that gets called out in front of the entire team. But that's what you want them to feel. See, if we don't have that, if we don't have that player to player accountability and that you know that 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 feeling of God forbid if I'm the guy that lets down the team, God forbid if I'm the guy that makes a mistake, then we have nothing. And that was a little bit of the, the, the point of our conversation yesterday was that is that we did not go into this ball game with that edge about us of I don't want to be the one to let us down. I don't want to be the guy that has that has the old my bad. Because here's the thing, in a game, you're going to lose one-on-ones during a game anyway, right? The other guys, they're playing too, right. and no matter what anybody thinks about Central Michigan, whatever, they played hard, they got some dudes, right? So you're going to lose one-on-ones just naturally through the course of the game because there's another team out there pre- prepared and trying. But when you lose your one-on-ones because you're – the game is surprising you because you're mentally a step slow. That's unacceptable. And so that's on us as coaches to make sure the guys are ready to point it out to what's going on during the course of practice. But ultimately it comes down to the players and, and, and their preparation, the things that they can, that they control when no one's watching, because you always know, right? When yep. you, when you came to work today, yep. everybody, when everybody goes to work today, no matter what your boss is telling you, you know, whether you're ready to go today, or you're not ready to go. And that is, that's on you. It just is. Now there's a culture that may expose it better than other cultures, but that is a personal decision every day. Are you ready to go driving to work today, or are you not ready to go? And uh, and that's really what it comes down to. All right, before we let you go, uh, bye week, that means recruiting time. I've seen some of your guys out at some of the high school football games. What about for you now? Uh, is this a big weekend for you now? you got some time off to hit Thursday, Friday, Saturday games? We'll have, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll all be out um, here towards the end of the week. Uh, it is an example where we, where we can kind of flood um, – Theory, but also on a bye week, you can get a little further away. We the last two Fridays, we've been able to hit uh, games all over Dayton, Broward County, which is great because we always want to start at home. But now with now a game to get back to on Saturday, now guys, that, you know some of our commitments that are a little further away, you can go out there and, and reach some of those guys. So that's the advantage of, of a bye week. But first and foremost, you know it still comes back to to the, the football team on campus. You know because the best recruiting we, we do is on Saturdays by playing a lot better yep. than we played this past Saturday. And um, so we've got you know we've got three practices this week to to, to continue to get our, our team better. And and look, here it goes. I mean, it's been a weird, you know, the, the schedule in, in August and September has been very unusual. But I know this is that, when, you know, by next week, we go six straight in the league. We're two and two right now. There's all, you know, you can, you can do the math and all the different scenarios yep. that can happen now in these next six. And after the six, we take a bye and it's FIU Duke, you know, the last two. So it's set up. You got four of the six at home. You got the first three at home. We know we have Virginia on a short week after Virginia Tech. So it's been a little start, stop, start, stop, but it's on. You know what I mean? After this week, it's it's on, and this is going to be the part of the season. What, no matter what's happened these first four weeks, I just you, you've been around enough, you know this season will be remembered by what happens in the next six. Coach, thank you for your time. We'll talk Thanks, to you next Manny. Monday. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. Thanks. Manny Diaz, the man, making it happen at the U. Of course, you can listen to all the Canes games this season right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. Speaking of a Miami man, Dan, the man Levitard is next. He is going to be giving you a total sports weekend wrap-up, and I have some Miami Monday music for you. This is the Best of the Joe Show.
It's the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day, and you and I are listening to a band called Big Brave. It's on a Miami Monday. You're probably saying, where are they from, Miami? No, they're actually from Montreal, but they're going to be here in the 305 this Thursday at Las Rosas. Here's something really cool about that show. Absolutely free so you know where i'm gonna be thursday after i get off the radio at las rosas rocking out to big brave that good industrial sound on a miami monday excited to see that no one does mondays though like dan levitard he and his guys they give you the funniest things from the sports weekend and weekend observations hey people tell us what in the sport made you laugh hard this is weekend it is a segment we call What Make You Laugh This Weekend. Ha ha ha! Funniest thing for the sports weekend is brought to you by Wendy's Spicy Nuggets. Here for a limited time at participating restaurants. Wendy's, we got you. Chris, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? A Rutgers offensive lineman celebrating a touchdown by punching his quarterback in the face. You know how offensive linemen with like the smaller players, they do that thing where they lift them high up into the air? I've always wanted someone to do that to me. As soon as he came down the quarterback, he, for some reason, just punched him in the face. <laughs> I think he meant to maybe hit him on the side of the head. Like a helmet tap, he punched him in the face. That's Rutgers football right there, all of it. Except uh, usually it doesn't come with touchdown celebrations. Antonio, what is the funniest thing from the sports weekend? So for me, one of my favorite things about Sunday Night Football is where the players get to introduce themselves, say their name and where they went to school. And Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry went a little bit off the beaten path. Odell Beckham said, OBJ, I'm him. And then Jarvis Landry responded with, Jarvis Landry, the jungle. So I get the Jarvis Landry bit, because LSU, the jungle, the Tigers, but OBJ had a left field with, I'm him. That's right. He's right. He's right. He is right. He is correct. It is him. He went to the University of Me. Everyone knows that. You can't do that when your team is scoring 13 points in prime time, though. Uh, Roy, uh, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? Bruce Arians said that he took a delay of game penalty on purpose in the final drive because he believed that the kicker better from long distance. Eight <laughs> kickers in eight years for the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> Come on, Arian. That's how he played. Uh, Billy, uh, what was the funniest thing from the sports weekend? Saquon Barkley, Dan, got injured yesterday. He injured his ankle, and after the game, he was hopping across the field to celebrate the big win with his crutches on the other ankle. With his crutches? Oh, he was hopping across the field on the bad ankle? No, 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 because he couldn't run, so he was hopping with the good ankle. Oh, okay. Okay, Saquon Barkley plays for the Giants. He hurt his ankle in the game. <laughs> oh, God. So then he had crutches, and he was hopping across the field to celebrate with his other ankle because he couldn't put his injured ankle down. See what you did. But he wasn't even using the crutches. It was just one ankle. The good one. He was just hopping across the field to celebrate with Daniel Jones. It was funny and impressive. How many people does it take for you guys to explain it to Dan, though? None of them well. You can put them on. It's like the the joke of, you know, how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb? I still don't know what happens. Stugatz, neither do I. What was the funniest thing from the sports weekend for you, Stugatz? Daniel Jones is 1-0 and when trailing by 18-plus. <laughs> Eli Manning is 0-44 in those games in his career. That's funny. That's a good stat. <laughs> Daniel Jones won the football weekend. Did he not, or did Gettleman? Uh, won- Gettleman. Actually, put that on the Gettleman. poll, Antonio. Who won the football weekend more, uh, Daniel Jones or Gettleman? I was starting to feel bad for Eli. It's like he seems like a nice guy. Right. Doesn't he? Yes. Am I alone yes. on this? No, no, he seems like a nice guy, yes. Poor guy. That's sad. <laughs> that doesn't help. He had a nice career. That That's a sad I stat. believe he's an all-time earner at the position, as you call him, poor guy. 
I, I believe that, that no one's ever made more money at the position than Eli Manning had. Figuratively. <laughs> the thing about Eli is that normally, like, when you're a quarterback, there's, like, a big drop-off, and you're like, you know what, I'm done. But he's pretty much just been Eli the whole time, so how does he know when he's done? He's earned $219 million. Poor guy. Poor guy. I think it's more than that, actually. <laughs> I think you're coming in low. Uh, after the Cowboys won by 25, okay, the Dolphins, if you took the Chris Cody first-half bet, he told you before the season. He's given you one bet. This entire season, but it was Dolphins first half yesterday because Dallas would be looking ahead in the first half, but only for the first half. And then they would stop doing that in the second half. He exactly predicted the way that game would go. What a halftime speech by Jason Garrett. (laughs) After the Cowboys won by 25 points, covering the absurd 21 point spread, Dolphins defensive tackle Devon Godchow retweeted a video of him beating Travis Frederick on a play with the comment, if they're the best O-line, then what am I? And Jordan Lewis, the Cowboys quarter uh, cornerback, responded, 0-3. What are you doing there, good job? Like, you know that's coming. Like, what are you doing? Open up the door for him. <laughs> you make a hey, play. Hey, on in. You lose by 25. You lose. You lose by 25. You send out a video of like one of the very few good plays anyone had in the game. You said, if they're the best, then how am I not better than the best? And what am I? 0-3 is what you give the window to a cornerback who held your team to six points. I love this Dolphin team. It's going to be giving all season, isn't it? How much worse can it possibly get? They've got an actual player on the roster named Tank. <laughs> They've got a tank Carradine. The Jets have a quarterback named Fails. You, you've got Fails, Falk, Fickens. You could do a who's on first routine with your team. Seriously, you've got a Falk. I'm scared every time I say it. Same. A Fickens. I'm also scared there. And a Fails. Fails at quarterback. Chris, do you even know what who's on first, the who's on first Abbott and Costello routine is? Because I imagine a lot of people in our audience don't. I've heard of it. Like, I can't recite the whole thing. Who's on first? Who? What's on second? Like, I know that's the base of it. The Dolphins have two tanks on their team. Quadrea Tankersley. Wow. <laughs> wow. Amazing. <laughs> they should just wear it on the back of their uniform. They should just say tank on the back of everyone's uniform. Lead the league in tanks. Did you see during the Eagles game where there was a fan caught on TV just losing his mind and Will Brinson tweeted an isolated video of it? Because it's just a fan. He's yelling. He is so mad, this Eagles fan. Turns out he's the dean of admissions at Penn. <laughs> you got to be careful, sports fans. You got you sports fans with real jobs. Got to be careful about going to sports fan. There's no way next week the Dolphins play the Chargers. Philip Rivers is driving the field. No timeouts late of the field to go try to win. Well, that he game. might be, but he'll win it. I, what are they? What's the point spread in that one? Are the Chargers uh, like a twenty point favorite uh, in Miami? I think it opened at seventeen. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> it is time for his two guys to share his game notes. No one in the media will tell you what happened better than my boys too. Dan! The Browns lost. Odell was average. The Giants won. Daniel Jones was great. And just like that, David Football Gettleman is back. Yes. Not sure if it's possible, but I think with a win next week, the Chiefs clinch the AFC West. Really good loss. For Notre Dame. One week and counting until the start of the baseball season. Ohio State. That win doesn't count. Congratulations to Florida, Oregon, Washington, and Texas for not only taking care of business, but for also doing 
what they had to do. Something to keep an eye on. Florida Gators, Auburn Tigers, both undefeated at the Swamp. All kinds of implications. Washington State, the rare 60-burger with a side of loss. Bruce Arians, from time to time, you should whisper in the kicker's ear. Damn, Matt Patricia might be good at this coaching thing. Deshaun Watson is going to save everyone's job in Houston. The Bills are 3-0 and against opponents who are 1-8. and They play the Patriots who are 3-0 and against opponents who are 0-9. You know what that means, Dano? Something's got to give. Oh, it's a I big game. How Something's got to give game. How could I have missed it? Big weekend coming up. Are you excited? Anyway, Clay Helton. When you get a commitment from a five-star quarterback, you know what you shouldn't let him do? Go spend a weekend in Tuscaloosa. You know what happens if you do? He never comes back. Sorry. Anthony Schwartz. Auburn Tigers. Big win. Mazel. The most jarring thing all weekend was seeing a guy with the last name Schwartz run that fast. I'm going to say it again. The best quarterback in college football is Joe Burrow. You're on it, Dan. You have my thoughts before I gave him out. Right. Antonio, put it on the poll. Were you uh, surprised to see that Schwartz can scoot? <laughs> the guy is fast, man. <laughs> Not your typical Schwartz. Bo Nix, ball player. Headline, Michigan, searching for identity after first loss. What they should be searching for is a new coach. Daniel Jones can scoot. Teddy Bridgewater heard opportunity knocking and answered the door. Daniel Jones, pocket presence. Antonio Brown was doing fine right up until the text. Jesus. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round last year. Baker Mayfield has ignited the city of Cleveland and that entire organization. Lamar Jackson is redefining the position and went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen has played well and has his team off to a 3-0 and start. Sam Darnold has mono and has been quarantined. <laughs> I hate that. The New York Giants are better without Eli. The Saints are better without Drew. The Panthers are better without Cam. The Steelers are better without Ben. Almost. Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, best-looking quarterback, head coach combination in the history of football. Jimmy Graps. No one was more crushed at Tampa's Raymond James Stadium when that Bucks field goal went wide right than Eli Manning. Why is Michigan still ranked? At what point has anyone watched Michigan this season and said to themselves, that's one of the 20 best teams in the country? Kyle Allen. Never happens to the Jets. I hate them. David, football, gentlemen. Daniel Jones, moxie. The most exhausting thing in sports, watching Philip Rivers trying to claw his way back. If you're wondering whether or not Antonio Brown was ever going to play in the NFL again, Will Kane says he is. Of all the terrifying lights that can light up on your car dashboard, the most terrifying is the Colts logo with the exclamation point. 
<laughs> I, that thing is terrifying, man. You've had it for like six years, haven't yes, you? I, have. I keep staring at it. What does that mean? Baker Mayfield. More like Baker Mayfield. Jalen Ramsey is out sick from practice today with a case of the Maroons. The cure? Another team. Are we sure Bill Polian didn't mean Baker Mayfield would be better as a wide receiver? 12 penalties, two turnovers. Dan, you know what Notre Dame did? They shot themselves in the foot. Browns and Jets, the more things change, the more they stay the same. 49ers really starting to gel. In the least shocking news of the weekend, Tom Brady won't share his personal feelings about Antonio Brown. Miami Dolphins, 0-3. Close your eyes and imagine Tom Coughlin's face when someone is trying to explain Jalen Ramsey's 2.30 a.m. peep everything tweet. Joe Girardi, Chicago Cubs, collision course. Jets have a bye week this week. The bye is currently minus 14. Holding calls plummeted over the weekend. Like E.F. Hutton, when Tom Brady talks, people listen. No one, and I mean no one, including our producers, know what E.F. Hutton is. How am I doing? Yeah. Speaking of health yeah. or browse. E.F. Those. When did E.F. Hutton go out of business? When did people stop <laughs> listening to E.F. Hutton? Is E.F. Hutton still in business? Do we know? Uh, I thought it was a person. That's not a person? Uh, E.F. Hutton. There you go. Very good. The Dan Lebitard Show can be heard weekdays from 10 to 1 right here on 560 The Joe WQAM. You know who else can be heard on this station? Stephen A. Smith. I'm contractually obligated to say it like that. We will hear from him next on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day on a Miami Monday. This band, Big Brave, going to be here in the Magic City Thursday. Absolutely free show at Las Rosas. So here's the equation. Big Brave, Las Rosas, you and I, Thursday night, absolutely free. There are going to be some cheap beer and rocking out going on. Stephen A. Smith! He was on earlier talking about what's the bigger NFL story, Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield. He does some Daniel Jones crushing and no apologies to Dave Gettleman. Biggest story in the NFL right now could be one of two things right at this moment. Could be one of two things. One is Daniel Jones, quarterback, rookie quarterback for the New York Giants, who showed up in Tampa and showed out last night or yesterday afternoon, rather. And they come from behind victory by the New York Giants or Baker Mayfield and the Browns falling to the reigning defending NFC champion Los Angeles Rams. Either story, pick your poison. Pick what's the bigger one for you. I'll just take it in the order I choose to on this particular day. Daniel Jones for the New York Giants showed up last night or yesterday afternoon. And I got to tell you something. Kid was impressive. Kid was absolutely positively impressive. There is no way tonight to be down 28 to 10, to bring the Giants back, outscoring Tampa Bay 22 to 3, up before Tampa Bay kicked the field goal. To do what he did yesterday, you just can't say enough. You can slice it any way you want to. You can't say enough. Daniel Jones, rookie quarterback out of Duke, 23 of 36, 336 yards, two touchdowns, not a single interception, sacks five times, didn't matter, showed toughness, showed accuracy, showed athleticism. 
We got a new quarterback in New York. We got a new quarterback in New York. We can deny it all we want to, but I'm going to tell you something right now. If you are a quarterback who can throw the football, whether it's stationary, leaning forward, falling off of a back foot, throwing on the run, and oh, by the way, you show the ability to run, I think it's fair to say that Eli Manning's era in New York as the starting quarterback has come to an end, barring an injury to Daniel Jones. Barring injury. Eli Manning's career as a starting quarterback in the New York, in, in, in New York, New Jersey, with the New York Giants has, is over. No disrespect to, to Eli Manning. We're not engaging in hyperbole here. But when you are a young quarterback, when you are a young quarterback with fresh legs, when you are a young quarterback with the ability to run, I mean, this is a guy, Daniel Jones, that scampered for not one, but two touchdowns. He threw two touchdowns, ran for two others. That was Daniel Jones. Had four carries, 28 yards, two touchdowns. That's what he did. And if you're Daniel Jones, I'm sorry, if you're the New York Giants, and you look at what Daniel Jones did yesterday, what is there to talk about? First of all, let's give props to Pat Shermer. This is the guy that went to GM Dave Gettleman, that got Dave Gettleman to join him and go into ownership and saying Eli, Eli Manning's days as a starting quarterback needs to be over. We need to go in the Daniel Jones direction. They're 0-2 on the season. Their defense stinks. Everybody knows that the New York Giants supposedly were on a path to nowhere. And what happened? Pat Sherman said, excuse me, it's going to ride with me anyway. I'm the head coach of this franchise. Excuse me, let me go with this guy. This is the guy he wanted to go through, and credit to him. He wanted to go with Eli, uh, with, with Pat, with Daniel Jones to begin the season. He didn't even want Eli to start the season. But then to be down 0-2 with everybody talking about how the New York Giants were on a path to nowhere. He sat up there and said, this season is not lost. We owe it to the rest of the team to put the best guys out there to give us the best opportunity to win. Daniel Jones goes out there and balls. Daniel Jones was sensational yesterday. You watched his throws where he was putting the football. I can't say enough about what I saw from him. Sterling Shepard only had two receptions. I'm sorry, seven receptions for 100 yards. Ingram, with that pass over the middle, and he scampered down the left sideline, showing speed that wide that are usually reserved for wide receivers. This tight end for the New York Giants showed up, showed out. Six receptions, 113 yards. Sterling Shepard, Odell Beckham, who? Seven receptions for 100 yards. He showed up. Darius Slayton showed up. He played well. And this is with Saquon Barkley going down with the high ankle sprain. So now we have to recognize this fact. And it's really simple. It's not complicated. The fact that Daniel Jones is a threat to move the chains with his feet, let alone his arm, automatically qualifies the New York Giants to never turn backwards towards Eli Manning again. My man Ryan Clark, NFL analyst extraordinaire for the family, pointed out something I thought very, very accurately. Nobody's saying he's better than Eli Manning yet. But I got news for you. What you saw from Daniel Jones yesterday You've never seen from Eli Manning in his career. Eli Manning's never been able to move like that. Daniel Jones made those throws. But the real key was his ability, like the game-winning touchdown. Drops back the pass. Tampa defenders turn their back. He runs right up the middle, which, by the way, is inexcusable on the part of Tampa's defense, by the way. Because Daniel Jones had ran for a touchdown earlier in the game. You already saw what he could do. Why the hell are you turning your back? Why would you do that? The man ran for a seven-yard touchdown that pulled the game within 12-10. Why would you turn your back on him when he's already shown you he can run with the football? Why would you do that? But that's what Tampa's defense did. That's what Todd Bowles' defense did. And as a result, he ends up scampering in for the winning touchdown. But even then, Jameis Winston drops back to pass, catches Mike Evans on a fly pattern. He catches the ball. He had about 190 receiving yards schooling Janoris Jenkins all day long. Was not a good day for Janoris Jenkins. Make no mistake about that. Was not a good day for him. 
No way to slice it. Mike Evans, eight receptions for 190 yards and three touchdowns. I don't want to put it all on Jenkins, but my God, every time Mike Evans was catching a pass, you were in the vicinity. Jameis Winston didn't have a bad game, 23 of 37, 380 yards, three touchdowns. By the way, Jameis Winston looks a hell of a lot better with Bruce Arians and Byron Lethwich coaching him as offensive coordinator than he ever did in the past. But Daniel Jones ended up stealing the day and got it done because obviously it a botched field goal at the end of the game for the Giants to, to seal a comfort behind win. In the end, what we're talking about here is this. Daniel Jones... Looks pretty damn good because we've seen Eli make those throws before in his career. What we have never seen Eli do is run with the football the way Daniel Jones did yesterday. And the fact that you have a quarterback who's got size, arm strength, okay? And when I say size, I'm talking height to see over opposing defensive linemen and what have you. For him to have the ability to fling the throws, to make the NFL throws that he's required to make, plus have the wheels on him to move the chains with his feet. There's nothing to talk about with Eli Manning anymore. It's over. We respect him, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP. Likely will be going to the Hall of Fame one day, not because he deserves to be in the same room as the Tom Brady's would be, Peyton Manning, his brother, and others, but because when you got two Super Bowl championships and there's a Joe Namath in the Hall of Fame, I'll be damned if Eli Manning doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But that's neither here nor there. That's a subject for another day. Daniel Jones stole the show yesterday. And now the Giants are one and two. They're two, they're, they're two games behind the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. They'll likely be a game ahead of the Washington Redskins in the NFC East after they were expected to lose tonight to Chicago, assuming that happens because Case Keenum has been playing. He's completed 69% of his passes. He's thrown five touchdowns, hasn't thrown a single interception on the year. Let's give him credit where credit is due. He's not the problem with Washington's offense. Their running game is. He's not the problem with coaching. That's Jay Gruden. But I will say this. There are a lot of people that are sitting up here today. My partner in crime, my first take, Max Kellerman, apologizing to Dave Gettleman, the general manager for the New York Giants. I ain't giving Gettleman no damn apology. Props to Gettleman and Shermer for picking their guy, Daniel Jones. All of that is true. I would remind everybody what the critique was when the NFL draft took place in Nashville a few months ago. If y'all recall, it was not that Daniel Jones could not play. It was not that he was some scrub or something like that. That was not the issue. The issue with the New York Giants picking Daniel Jones was that they passed on Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, who threw 50 touchdowns in one season for the Ohio State last year. That was the issue. And because Case Keenum's playing so well, we haven't gotten an opportunity to see Haskins yet in the nation's capital. To me, Gettleman and Shermer are only out of the woods with Daniel Jones if Haskins proves to be worse than Daniel Jones. If Haskins is better, you're still going to have people saying, what the hell you passed up on Haskins for? But we haven't been able to see him yet. Because Case Keenan has been throwing the football in the nation's capital. And the rest of us, as a result, have been forced to have to deal with that. But Daniel Jones deserves a whole lot of credit on this day. Congratulations to him. He was special yesterday. I think he's shown tremendous promise. I love the fact that he's in there instead of Eli. Had no problem with Shermer going with the change this early. Because guess what? Eli, it wasn't his fault that they were losing games. He just wasn't somebody that was going to enable you to win games. If Eli Manning was the quarterback yesterday, the Giants are not coming back from a 28-10 to 10 deficit. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. Daniel Jones breathed new life into the Giants' offense. As a result, their defense showed up and I thought played quite well in the second half. And they had a lot of energy. They were going after it. And I give them a lot of credit where credit is due. In the end, though, Daniel Jones stole the show. Congratulations to him. 
Before I get out of here, a couple big music birthdays. John Coltrane on this day in 1926 was born. Ray Charles, 1930. Julio Iglesias, 76 years old. And the boss, Bruce Springsteen, 70 today. Download this boss podcast wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free. The radio.com app or at our website, wqam.com. I'm Dan Day, and I'm going home to eat some minus sandwiches on a Miami Monday. Oh, that is so Miami. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. This has been the best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.